2: From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total
3: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. And wow, I'm in the green room at Macy's in Pittsburgh, and this is an unbelievable honor that guess who's sitting next to me right now. Two-time Stanley Cup champion, Pittsburgh Penguin, Connor Sheary. Connor, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today. Of course, yeah, happy to be here. Now, when you were undrafted, did you ever think in your wildest dreams you'd be a two-time Stanley
4: Cup champion? <laughs> no, I was just hoping for a contract out of college, and then uh, finally got a chance in the NHL, and then in my first two years to go back-to-back is uh, it's pretty surreal. It's been a whirlwind of a couple of years, yeah. and uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I've enjoyed the ride. It, you
3: definitely have enjoyed the ride and uh what do you think of that how you were able to do this being undrafted did you tell a lot of the naysayers forget it i'm just gonna what did you do so you can get to this
4: yeah i've always been an undersized guy i've always been little and in hockey that's not always a good thing I yeah. think you have to prove yourself a little bit more and always put that chip on your shoulder so i think from a young age i've always had to kind of prove myself to people and uh, once you get to the next level it doesn't change And i think i've just always had that drive to get a little better and um, I mean, being in Pittsburgh, I've been fortunate enough yeah. to be on a really good team, yeah. a lot of good players, and a lot of good people around me that have supported me, so uh, I'm pretty well lucky to be where I am.
3: And that, story, and that story for the NHL is very surprising, right? Not a lot of undrafted players end up having a good career like
4: people have been so far, right? Yeah, it's tough to make the undrafted, but um, I think once you once you get cracked in the league and uh, get your opportunity, I think it's, uh, it's all pretty equal. It doesn't matter who's drafted, who's not. Um, like I said, I've ended up in a good spot here. That's given me a lot of opportunity. Who have you learned most from?
3: Would you say who did
4: you played with, and that's what like helped you get to where you want right now? Uh, you're saying players on the team? Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, of course. I mean, everyone's going to say Sidney Crosby. I got the. Yeah. I got the opportunity to play with him this year, and yeah. uh, a lot of time spent on his line. Um, I think just even watching the lead I mean, him. He doesn't, have, he doesn't have to say much. You know, you just kind of watch his mannerisms and how he goes about his business. Right. It's a first-hand experience like I can't uh, I can't trade anything, for anything. and what did you so just to have that opportunity especially now playing on the first line with him, that's just it's so real right yeah it's crazy I don't even know I mean it's hard to say how you got here but um, I think hard work dedication and uh, opportunities is the key and, um, I've been I've been lucky to take advantage of all those things
3: and how does it feel when you're a champion and you get to finally say I am a family club champion like right? Just the feeling and that goal winning, and the times out and that hard work, especially this season, of what you had you
4: guys had to bat- battle for it. Yeah, and to finally say we're champions. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. It's uh, it's such a relief, you know. It's like a weight lifted off your shoulders once you once you get to that point. You work so hard for it all year, and all thirty teams are working for the same thing, and to be the one to say, you know, we're the team that did it. We're the team that overcame everyone um, yeah. to do it two straight years. I think that's a that's a special thing.
3: And this city is amazing, right? The parade yesterday, I mean, uh, top the year before. Yeah. What about the fans? Especially today, you're going to get to meet some very excited fans soon.
4: And Macy's, but uh, tell me just the, the atmosphere of the fans in Pittsburgh. Yeah. How great it is Pittsburgh. It's crazy. Since the, the first time I got here, I think uh, uh, I was kind of in awe at the fans. And it's regular season games; and these these people are uh, they're going crazy. Uh, I mean, the parade yesterday was something special, something I'll never forget us players had a lot of fun running around and taking yeah. pictures and uh, we were like little kids out there but uh, to see that amount of support and to see how many people show up it's uh, it's really cool and Pittsburgh is a great sport city and
3: it's great what NHL players do how much they see how important fans are and how you guys will relate and, be, and, and not be so stuck up and say hey I really want to thank you guys and honor you guys and that's what I think that's what the
4: sport will continue to survive and continue to thrive is because of your relationship with fans. Yeah, we, we try to give back as much as possible. I think a lot of times they go on notice it, just uh, they're showing up at the games and, and cheering for us and uh, we don't get to meet them all that often. But when we do, we, we want to make that a special moment because we know how much they, they care about our team. Uh, and I think this is a good opportunity for us to give back.
3: So now taking the cup home with you, what how, what, what is your plan? Do you have a plan yet? Yeah. What
4: plan did you do yeah. last year and now what's your plan this year? Yeah, yeah. last year I, I invited a lot of friends, a lot of family, a lot of people that Kind of supported me throughout the years and, and been alongside I me mean, i think this year i'm going to trim it down a little bit i got a little out of hand <laughs> last year <and laughs> i think uh this year it'll be a little little closer friend and family and we'll just enjoy our time with the cup and uh just because you don't get these opportunities every day and, and i want to be able to enjoy that well we
3: want one more or more than that we want to go <laughs> to the days of what the islanders were like when those uh, yeah. four stanley cups i know in a cap but i think if this crew stays together there's nothing
4: holding back from people to keep on going I'm yeah sure. we got our quarterback so we'll see if we can do it again that'd be it's, an awesome it's able to do it right he motivates you How, what what kind of mentor is he to you so, yeah he's uh he's been a great mentor he's given me uh like i talked about before a lot of opportunity uh and he's a he's a, a demanding coach he expects a lot about his out of his players but i think he's pretty fair as well uh, he controls a uh, a room that has a lot of uh, a lot of different types of players, a lot of yeah. superstars. He controls that pretty well, and uh, that speaks to how well the coach is. So do
3: you, do you do any of charity work in the community and stuff you want to tell people about that you've done so far or at home?
4: Uh, I, I haven't done much. I, I'm. Uh, it's unfortunate that I get to have to say that, but I'm still young in my career. It's so it's still busy. Kinda, yeah, looking at the season,
3: you look at how many months a year you're playing
4: season. Is, yeah. It's like... Exactly. Uh, I'm gonna try and give back, like you said, with my my cup day. I'm gonna try and give back as so much as I can. Maybe get open community, do something like that. But um, as far as charity work and stuff like that, I'm, I'm still in the early years of my career, and I want to work towards that.
3: Well, giving back is the most important thing. You give back to the fans, and you need to in by giving back charity work, great work. It's at Children's Hospital. I've heard about a lot of guys that come and do that, and Mario mm-hmm. and all, and it's such such a great part of Black Neville and Gold and being yeah. Pittsburgh. Okay, yeah. Best place you can find information
4: on econic. Where can we go? Uh, me personally? Yeah, uh, Matt,
3: you're on Twitter, right? Yeah, right? I so- got
4: Twitter, Instagram. You, you can follow me on there. Right. I try to post as so much as I can, but I'm not crazy on there. Right. I like to see what else is going on. And you're really excited about meeting the fans today, right? It's yeah, kind of, this um, is going to be fun. So, like, It's part of the giving back we've Well, thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot.
3: Hi, how you doing? Hey guys, where are you from? I'm uh, here, Pittsburgh, North Pittsburgh, Hills. Pittsburgh, North Hills. Mm-hmm. excited to be meeting Connor Sherry today. Yeah, I just finished interviewing him. What a great guy. Such a, <laughs> awesome. Who are your favorite players on the Penguins? Um. And Shiri, were you a fan last year, too, is when when they won the cup? Uh All right. Dad, are you a big fan as well? Oh, of
2: course, yeah. Connor Shiri actually threw a puck to my son during the game once. We brought the puck from the son.
3: That's that's cool. (laughs) So do you have a question you want to ask him?
2: (laughs) No questions (laughs) you want to ask him?
3: Okay. And I don't even know. Guys got checked out. Come down to Macy's before... 8 o'clock, I think it's 6 to 8, but I'm on Facebook Live, we're live right now talking to the fans, and also, we're filming for TV and a radio interview, so it was good meeting you guys. All right, thanks. Okay, so, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> You're, hey, we're live on Facebook, but also, we are filming for television and radio, so are you excited about meeting Connor? Yeah. Yeah. A big fan? Yeah. Absolutely. So you're still not over winning that second no. cup, were you? No.
2: Sorry. Not at all? No. no.
3: Not at all. We're ready for the next one. next year. Yes. We're yeah. ready. We're definitely, again. We're, we're, we're definitely, we're definitely no. ready for the next one. Yeah. We're excited about <laughs> we that. Another one. Yes. Uh, because I want to be back here again. Yeah, right. Exactly. And yeah. interview somebody else. or Who knows what happens. I, had Nick, I interviewed Nick Benina last year. So, <laughs> Benina, uh, Benina,
2: Benina. Yes.
3: <laughs> so um, do you have a question you're going to ask, Connor? He's a very nice guy. So, you know, uh, so were you guys? Were, did, did you guys go? Were you in the arena on Game Seven or no? Uh, no, just Good, celebrate. The
1: big screen a few times. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Big screen, uh, yeah. Okay, okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. All right. Good to
0: meet
3: Okay. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. What about you? Good, good. So what area are you from? Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver. Okay, so you're a true hockey fan. 100%. Okay, I'm so... a true, actually, Penguins fan. True
2: Penguins? Penguins.
3: Okay. I'm not a Canucks fan.
2: Okay, so but, so why a Penguins fan? When would you start being uh, 88. Since 88? I watched Mario since I was a kid. So I started watching Mario play. I loved him. And that's basically it. I was a huge fan when they won 91, 92. I've never been to Pittsburgh. I actually went to game six last year in San Jose and saw them win the Cup.
4: (laughs) Wow. And okay. this year,
2: I had tickets to game seven, so if I got there, I was coming. But I guess uh he scored the goal, so it was perfect. Yes. So, so I, my tickets got my refund So, so we
3: knew we knew specifically
2: that reasoning. So yeah. so do you think they're going to win the cup next year? With LaTang back, yeah. I think their chances are really strong. But if not next year, maybe the one, they are at least guaranteed one to two more, I think, with LaTang. So.
3: Oh, okay. Okay, so you were worried when you heard LaTang was injured. Yeah, yeah. 100%, was, I was really worried. And against the Capitals the most, right? Yeah, yes, they look like the only team that could
2: dominate for a but second. But you know what? We have the Capitals' yeah. number, so it doesn't matter when you play them. We have their numbers. So, how does your family like your not? Hey. My wife's supportive; she's down here. My brother's actually a Montreal Canadiens fan. Okay. And my cousins are all like the Canucks fans, or all my friends are Canucks fans. So I do deal with quite a bit. So
3: it was my time to rub it in. So the Cana- so the, basically the Canadians, and in, in, in your 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 mindset is that people in Canada do they like
2: that their the American teams? Sometimes or not really? They no, would love to see just it, the Canadian it, team win it all. Yeah I think it depends on the market and where it is right but I think obviously Crosby being Canadian so there is a little bit of a, a soft spot for him. So what's your question? you have a question for Yeah Connor? I want to see if Connor was, a lot of uh, Penguins are battling injuries during the playoff run and that sometimes is an excuse that's used right but it's coming out as a huge positive like I heard Cole has the broken, uh, had a broken hand, everybody had a little bit of things going on. Don't want to see Connor Sheery, what was he struggling with,
3: right? Exactly, exactly, well, good, well, good, uh, good talking, you should follow me on Twitter at TotalTutor, and then also check out the interview I did with Connor, for sure. perfect. Google me, Neil Haley, you'll find me everywhere, trust me, okay? (laughs) you want to talk? Uh, See, I love always talking to to the young fans, because I remember the days when I met Willie Stargell... All these different great uh, pirates and Steelers. When I was when I was a, I was a he's kid, a and they, he's a big sports fan. He's a big sports yes.
2: Stayed up till 12:30 for the Penguins game. Huh? Stayed up till 12:30 for the Penguins
3: game. 12:30. Okay. Yes. Okay. And did you think they were going to win, or did you think it was going to go to Game Seven?
2: I think it was gonna go to a game seven.
3: You <laughs> thought it was gonna go to a game seven. And I
4: was, I but he had predicted. He said that they, watch they're gonna win first two, they're gonna lose the second, and then they're gonna win again. All right.
2: <laughs> my prediction was right. I'm good at predicting stuff like that.
3: So uh, okay. So you, did you predict the NBA finals as well?
2: No, my friend did.
3: Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about. i I wanted
2: to see
3: both teams win it again, and it just didn't happen. Hey, she
2: wanted to go and state too. Oh, why? Oh, come on.
3: Yeah. The, the super team. You like their team play? Yeah, I like them better
2: than the Cavs.
3: So, so, are you a bigger hockey fan? Is oh yeah. Your, is your favorite hockey. Hockey, baseball, right. football, football,
2: football, 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 football,
0: Yeah, it's not
3: interesting. We're in Pittsburgh right now. And we hear that for sure. Okay. So, what question are you going to have to Connor?
2: What's it gonna be like in the locker
3: room without Flurry? Oh see, that's a great point because if there was not Flurry, that, thats an awesome question. See, you guys should have sent questions to me. I had I'm an impromptu. I didn't know how long I get to interview Connor today. About seven or eight minutes, I interviewed him, but that would have been an awesome question. It's
2: longer than we're gonna get to.
3: Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What? What question are you gonna ask?
2: Ah. Uh, just gonna ask him
1: how it feels to be part of the Pittsburgh
3: Penions. and What's he gonna do in his summer off? Oh, I'm sure he, he's excited about that. Such a short summer. The season's so short. Uh huh. I mean, the off season compared to what football gets so many. That'll well, be back soon. It's, yeah. Have to think about. Hey, we gotta relax. And they
0: have a long season. They,
3: that's for sure. So I'm sure he'll enjoy his summer somewhere. Exactly. Exciting. Okay. All right. Good job. So you're a big Penguins fan?
4: Yes,
3: have season tickets. Season tickets? Oh, yeah. oh wow! And so, were you at the arena on the sixth game six? Yes. With... Yeah, yeah. We went to the
4: parade yesterday. We got there at 4:30, close to 5 a.m. Wow! We lived two hours away from, from PNC. Oh, a PNC hotel. For three okay. Nights. Yeah. Oh wow!
3: And so you traveled every game <laughs> to PNC? Wow. Yeah, I don't
4: go to every game, but I went to all the playoff games. The oh, wow. last year to strike from everywhere <laughs> I have
3: a me- memories of Punxsutawney when I was a, a minor league professional wrestler at the armory um, back 20 yeah. 18 years ago I was well, there. Some
4: practice there for football
3: oh. Okay. Yeah. So I remember those days in Punxsutawney. And then we went trying to find Phil. And we just couldn't find <laughs> Phil. And a is
2: at the library. Yeah, So like, we
3: found that out. My wife and I stayed <laughs> over. And we found out that it was at the library. And we're like, oh my gosh, Phil's at the library? I thought we were going to go out and drive out like in Groundhog Day. Okay. And this is the strangest thing. Punxsutawney. I'm interviewing, the from Groundhog Day tonight, the one who played Ned Riverson. Uh, that's the Goldberg's principal tonight on my show tonight at 11 o'clock. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's interesting that we brought Punxsutawney Groundhog Day. I'll have to tell Ned that. Yeah. Our really, what his real name is. I can't pronounce it. Some, but uh, just to say, he'll yeah. be like, that. that's pretty cool. So say hi from Punxsutawney.
4: Yeah, All hi right. from Punxsutawney.
3: I had fun when I was in Punxsutawney, for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a little... Okay, nice. guys. Okay, take care. You. you have a question you're going to ask on? Just um, what he's
4: going to do first
3: time off awesome okay well good talking to you hi everyone and welcome to the neil haley show you can check me out on twitter at total and NeilHaley.com. uh this guest is i'm i'm so excited about this interview and the reason is because of certain shows he's been on but he just he's he's a great character talking to him off air i know this is going to be uh such an awesome interview, so I'm excited to welcome the program, author of My Adventures with God, Stephen Tobolowsky. Stephen, thanks for calling, and I tell you, uh, you you live a very interesting life, don't you? And just kind of just talking about how busy you've been the last four weeks or six weeks, Stephen, how are you?
1: I, I'm doing great, And and actually, you were talking about the last four weeks. I was talking about the last two years. The last two years have been so busy and so nonstop. And and and, and what, what is it about actors? You know, we complain that we never work. And then right. we complain that we work too much. So uh, I, I guess we can't quit complaining, but it's been a nonstop two years, and I'm happy for that. Well,
3: and, and that's great. And so the question before I want to get into a little bit more of the book is, how did you become an actor? Uh, again how that that story of you decided you want th- this is what you want to do f- in your for your yeah, life yeah. well,
1: well, you know the way this works is there's sometimes you get a job and sometimes you have a calling and and that doesn't mean you're always accurate in your perception of your calling, so I wanted to be an actor from the time I was a little kid from the time I was five, but the reason. I wanted to be an actor, was misguided. I thought that monsters were real, okay. and I loved I loved monsters. I love Frankenstein, Wolfman, Mummy, Godzilla. I loved Godzilla, and I thought they were all real, and I thought if I were an actor, I could go hang out with Godzilla on the set, and he would like teach me how to have bad breath. But you know, I learned later that you can have bad breath anyways without having to burn down a city when i When I got older, I realized monsters weren't real, and by then I was in college, and I thought acting was noble. Uh, I had just really learned Shakespeare and Shaw and Chekhov and Ibsen, and I thought what a noble calling to deal with this great great literature and Then I became a professional actor, and you never really work with that great literature again uh, I I think once I did a Shakespeare, once I did two Chekhov plays and one Ibsen, and that's it. And most of the time, if you're doing sitcom or television, you're working on uh, popular comedies
0: right, right. that
1: aren't necessarily great literature, but they entertain a lot of people.
3: See, see, that's, that, that, that's interesting. And, and a lot of times when I talk to actors, Stephen, they always bring up the theater, as something that's their favorite thing that they do. and Or the ones that, you know, have really worked a lot and then finally have gotten their big break in some sort of way. And I really respect people in the theater because I was a former professional wrestler, and I had to perform... Where there was no cute, there was no real script. We had to go with what, how the crowd worked. We had to impromptu. That's the difference between you're in the theater compared to shooting TV or shooting movies, where you're taking 16 takes or 25 takes. It's one and done in the theater, and it really teaches you the business, doesn't it?
1: And and also with when you are doing movies or television. The, the rhythm of the piece is created by the editor. Yeah. And the rhythm of the piece is created by the director. But when you're in theater, every night you walk on that stage, it is the actors that control the level of reality and the level of success or failure for that particular night. We control the pace. We control the rhythm. And it it's what makes it uh, both terrifying and enormously rewarding i i had this realization recently that about acting and about theater and that is that in our lives we have holy places we yeah. you, you know maybe your hometown or the school you went to yes. when you're a theater actor you have four holy places that are consistent there is the stage, and every stage I've been on has been a holy place. Uh, and it's always the smell of the place, you know, that, that is always the same. It's the smell of kind of wood and concrete and electricity in a different combination. Uh, the stage is holy. The rehearsal room is holy, where you made your first discoveries as an actor and where the park first came to life, your dressing room. Is holy, where you look at yourself in the yes. mirror and put on the makeup and you get all of the cards and well wishes from people. And the bar afterwards is holy, where you sit around and have a beer and talk with your fellow actors that you got through another one and you're going to, and you're hopefully you'll get through the one tomorrow too. When you do film or television, you do not have holy places. It's like I went back to Woodstock, Illinois, where we shot Groundhog Day. Yes, I went to the corner where Bill Murray stepped in the water, and I go, hey, "Watch out for that first step; it's a diesel."
3: Love that. Yes, love
1: that line. Yeah. But it's not a holy place. It's just a place in a city, and I realize it's God, but in theater, it's not God, and that is why I think actors who do theater uh, revere it so much. It, it has a hold on, on you, even though it's not as popular as television or, or film.
3: See, and, 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 that's so true. And does that have something to do with your book? Do you talk about how, uh, your love of theater in the book?
1: I'm, I, I'm sure I have a few theater stories and a few film stories and a few TV stories in the book, but the main idea of, I, I, well, I guess the beginning is I had a terrible accident. Okay. Terrible, 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 terrible accident. 2008, I broke my neck Wow. riding a horse on the side of an active volcano in Iceland. Right? Like Mom. what could have possibly yeah. gone wrong? Yeah, right. Right? So I come back to America, and the doctor tells me I have a fatal injury. I mean, what a thing to tell a living patient right exactly, yeah, so and and so I'm in this hard brace. there's nothing I could do for several months, and i I'm thinking like what the doctor told me was really kind of funny that he tells his living patient that you have a fatal injury, and I'm so lucky I'm alive. And then I started thinking, what if what the doctor told me was true, right? And what if I really died on that mountain in Iceland? What would I want my two boys to know about their dad? What would I want them to know about my life? And so to fill up the time, I started writing true stories from my life that I wanted my boys to know about their father who died on the mountain in And I, oh, And these my stories God. became my, my first book, uh, The Dangerous Animals Club. And Simon and & Schuster called me. Uh, after the book had been released about three months, and my editor said, Stephen, people really love the humor in your stories, but some of your stories had this spiritual twist to them, and people really love that. Is it possible you could do another book of true stories, like the first one, and have it all connected with a kind of spiritual through line, uh, and to have funny stories, too?
2: Wow. And
1: And so I said... Sure, I could do that. I had no idea what I was going to do, but they wanted me to write another book, so I was going to write another book. So that's really, My Adventures with God is kind of my Dangerous Animals Club Part 2. It is, it is, it tries to trace, well, just like how being an actor changed in my life, right? From loving monsters to being noble to like being on the gulper. In your life, the way you relate To your spiritual life changes. Yes. From when you're a kid going to Sunday school to when you're in college and you're seeing God in your girlfriend's eyes to where you're playing rock and roll in your 30s and you're feeling God when you hit that chord just right to later in your life when you get married and have kids and when you take that kid to the emergency room at one in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Then. The spiritual aspect of your life changes again. Then when you lose people in your life, mm-hmm. your parents, your friends, yes. when they start going again, your spiritual life changes. And then you get to a place of perspective at the end, and and your relationship to your spiritual life changes again. So My Adventures with God is a series of true stories, most of them are funny, that kind of trace the arc of the spiritual life of a person in their life.
3: So, so so this is interesting because again, dangerous, the dangerous animals club definitely talked about how you survived and almost died and you started to bring some of that faith out, Steven. Then somehow you get pulled into this where you have to bring your faith, but bring funny stories as well. Would you say you have a strong faith, Steven, after was that after the accident that that changed or you always have been that way?
1: Uh that's that's a tricky question because I would say my immediate answer was yes absolutely yes but then I would say that there have been periods of time in my life where you know I, I never went to synagogue I, I never studied the bible I just kind of dropped it all right okay. and it wasn't it didn't seem that important to me but then, when I came back to it in my forties, I came back to it with a vengeance, and it was like when I was reading, uh, when I began studying the the Bible again. The the when I was in my forties, uh, I was like a guy in the desert who needed water. It was I was seeing things in there mm-hmm. that I never saw before because of course you're seeing it with the eyes of a grown up and not the eyes of the child and you're seeing kind of the profundity or the wisdom that was laid out thousands of years ago and then when i had my accident whoa
3: yes yes
1: when i had my accident everything changed again because it it it's the story is in the new book my adventures with god that is when i do believe And don't roll your eyes at this one. (laughs) This is when I do believe I personally experienced a miracle. And I don't mean a coincidence. I don't mean I'm the luckiest man in the world that I survived a fatal injury. I mean, all that is amazing. But I think above and beyond that, I experienced something that's inexplicable, that there is no logic in my mind. I'm a science guy. Yeah, okay. I'm a guy who's yeah. always loved science and read science, but I think something happened to me in that three-month period of time that there is no explanation for, right. except that I was touched with some kind of divine blessing yeah. during that period of time that completely changed the way I look at the world. And to me, that was a miracle
3: now then so the stories have to so you have to make that connection to god which i do in my whole life once i found god uh-huh. and, and see and so that we probably didn't think this is we could get into this uh, spiritual conversation and i didn't uh, expect that i always look at hey i know about this, this this actor and let's go into this and must be something funny but it's interesting to hear that connection because everything you do even if it if it's something it's still not wrong you're doing it for God. So you really can look at that spiritual aspect of everything that happens. It all happens for a reason and in some sort of way. So in your book, give us one example of a story. I have some other questions I'd like to ask you about your career and everything, but cause everyone definitely needs to pick up the book, but tell me one story and how you connect that to God in the book. Just a short part of it. Don't have to go into the whole detail.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll dip into little things. I'll, I'll dip into a few little things. Uh, first of all, I divide the book up into five sections, like the five books of the Old Testament.
3: Okay, right, cool. all right.
1: Because I feel that those really define so many people's lives. That everybody has a Genesis. We all have family and and friends. We all are interested where we came from. We have our plans and aspirations and terrors, like in the book of Genesis. So we all go into slavery, except instead of building pyramids, we lose ourselves in first love or terrible jobs or drugs or alcohol or being in graduate school forever. And then in Leviticus, we have a moment in the middle of our life where we go, stop, wait, this is what I am, like in the book of Leviticus. Then we lose people. Mortality enters our life, like in the Book of Numbers, and then, like Moses telling the story of the journey to the children of Israel, because they forgot why the hell they were walking for 39 years. You reach a point of perspective in Deuteronomy, and you tell those stories. That is the arc of the book. But like, here's little little examples. Uh, for example, I'm 10 years old, and there's a plane crash. And everyone on the plane is killed except one 10-year-old boy on the back seat, the back seat of the airplane. And the story is called The Boy in the Back Row. And after a week of struggle, the boy dies too. And I have a crisis of faith that I, for a 10-year-old, I cannot understand. And in my head, I said there are only three possibilities. Either there isn't a God or there is a god but he doesn't do a very good job or there is a god he may or may not be doing a very good job but his job may be different from what i thought it was right this is what i thought of when i was 10 so this is a story about a crisis of faith i had when i was 10 in uh if if you get into uh the exodus part it's about my first Love relationship when I was in college. Oh wow! And and I had a dream in which I died in my dream, and I went somewhere, and and there is no way. I I mean I will never forget this dream or the people I met on the other side. I'll never forget them. But that dream, whether it be a dream or or whatever or prophecy, whatever it was. It affected my life in a very real way, like that story is in Exodus. In Leviticus, I have the story of meeting Anne, the woman who became my wife, okay. and and becoming a father, and, and getting married, and returning to Judaism. Then in, in the book of Numbers, I talk about losing most of my family— my, my grandfather and grandmother and aunts wow. and uncles all within a short period of time and coming back to the house that I used to play in as a child. And the whole house is empty now, except for a couple of surprises. I don't want to say that. I, I don't want to ruin that for people who want to read the book. And and also meeting a survivor of Auschwitz oh. when my mother passed away and he became my drinking buddy for two years and he told me his life of two years and how he fell in love at Auschwitz oh and he survived and she survived
3: what a tremendous story oh my
1: amazing and then of course the story of my miracle in Deuteronomy uh so so there's examples of little touches throughout the book of of faith and loss of faith and changing faith and the chasing you know, in the in the old testament, and you could Google this, I'm not exactly sure of my Hebrew, but I think I think there are like forty one, something like that, different names for the aspects of God. Yes. And and you know, there's Elohinu we know and Adonai we know, and Yahweh we know. Uh there's uh El Shaddai that we know. All of these names mean different things. Uh, El Shaddai could mean God of the mountain, but it also means the destroyer. Uh-huh. And the idea being that God will destroy evil. Mm-hmm. You know, that this was the aspect of God that these people recognized. And so during our life, it's, in a way, it's like the blind man and the elephant. How How, when you reach your hand into the darkness for God, Right. What aspect do you feel? What aspect speaks to you? And for me in my life, it, is, it has, predom- and I thank God for this, it has predominantly been the God of mercy. And it has yes. predominantly in my life been the God of justice. Justice and mercy have been very important in my life. Oh my. And those aspects have guided me.
3: Now, now, Stephen, you talked about just touching upon each one of the the areas of the five books and how you put it together mm-hmm. in stories. But you bring up certain stories and acting in all those five books as well, right? Of stuff, stuff you've done. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And worse. And worse. And but worth yeah. But we don't want to. We, we, we wanting to be a rock and roll singer. And oh falling my,
3: Stephen. Love so, so falling there's having Oh gosh. Having
1: orgies oh no,
3: geez, Steve. So, Stephen, you were just you were you were a saint, and now you're yeah you, you mean you're a sinner, and now you're a saint some, some somehow, if we we're defining it. In, no, and like, no, 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 no.
1: I think all of us, you, you know, it's there were perfectly good reasons why I was quote a sinner. The truth of the matter is, and, and this may be uh, an inherently Christian principle that I embrace, and that is that I think man is can't help it, but he's right. ultimately a, a corruptible substance. Uh, it, it is very difficult <laughs> not to—we be, become corrupted for very good reasons, either we're in love or, or uh, we want to impress someone, or we yeah. feel we don't have self confidence in a moment, and we we make these mistakes Bad mistake. throughout yeah. Yeah. our life.
3: And in different different ages, yeah, book, yeah, right.
1: If you read my adventures with God, you may be convinced that I'm the biggest moron that ever walked <laughs> the face of the earth. I make so many amazing mistakes in my life, but I also made some good choices too.
3: Now, see, see, and, and that's that's the humble part of of you, of you, Stephen, in, in a certain way. But I just could see you as this kind of person. You walked. You're, you're how tall are you, by the way, Stephen?
1: uh 63.
3: 63. Okay, I'm 6 foot 10 just to give you my, yep. my uh, but uh in, in being that being that that height especially when a lot of actors are short, right, Stephen? That, yes. that you're, and and you were and you're not gang I wouldn't say gangly, but you have this look to you. I could imagine you when you when you're just you you're partying and stuff like that and and the young Stephen. And so that's what kind of stuff in the, that we're going to find out by reading this book is it's it's a memoir yes. it's memoir it's it's a memoir but adding a lot of other perspectives and I'm glad you brought those things up but I think it's fantastic because it, people would not know someone from Hollywood thinks like that right stephen how do you keep yourself from the craziness of hollywood that that's the, yeah
1: well it helps things, 66 it helps. You being, don't look 66,
3: uh, Stephen. You don't look yeah. 66, not at all. No. Well, th-
1: well th- thank you for that unless you were going to say that I, <laughs> I look 76. <laughs> no way. Uh, but it it helps being married to a great great woman who is enormously wise and who uh, has who has saved my life three times and who I've married twice.
3: Oh, my gosh.
1: You know, when we got married, she wasn't Jewish, and uh, I was, so we had to get married by the justice of the peace. Then I had my broken neck, and she got me through that. Then I had open-heart surgery, and that story's in the book, too. She got me through that, and she protected me. You know, a lot of people think marriage is about the bedroom It's about the emergency room. It's like in your life, you want to have a partner that you can trust at 2 in the morning in the emergency room that will be your advocate, that will be there to make sure you are safe. She did that for me, and that's when – and then of all things, she converted to Judaism, which – and she never told me she was going to do it. Wow. it floored me. And so I said, I got to marry this girl again. And so that helps. But also, I, I remember I told my son, I think on my 50th birthday, and my son was, of course, out here in private school and, and all the influence of Vallee. And you could tell that everybody was interested in drugs a lot and sex a lot and all that. And I said to him, listen, if you at the age of 50, I could say this. What I regret, the main commodity you have, the most valuable thing is your time, even when you're young. And what I regret in my life are the friendships I didn't make, the books I didn't read, the plays and concerts I never went to. I don't regret thinking like, boy, I wish I got high a little more often. I don't. And those things end up in the regret column of how, I mean, when you're young, you yes. do that kind of stuff and you you go like, okay, there's a time to waste time, but then there's a time to realize that you have no time but the present. and And that, in a way, Keeps my head up. And also, if you've been in this business as long as I have, and I've been an, a professional actor, right. making my living as an actor and not as a bartender, but as an actor working in this business, you know, you either get jaded or or you realize, you know, there are good days and bad days. Yes. Like, like any terminal illness. Right. You know, being an actor... You'll have good days and bad days, and you have to be a little zen about it, and and you have to ride through the bad days. I have this saying I, I came up with, and I kind of learned it from the Book of Exodus, and because to me it's the theme of the Book of Exodus, and that is uh, everything is a doorway and everything is a prison, and and in the book of exodus everybody comes to egypt it's a doorway it's it's paradise yes they don't expect it to be slavery but it's slavery yeah then you you go and you're trapped by uh the red sea no it's a doorway yes not a prison and it opens up and then you're stuck in the desert but it's not a prison you get the 10 commandments it yes. becomes a doorway in the book of exodus everything is a And I keep telling myself this, that when you're in the prison, remember there's always going to be a door there and you'll be able to find your way out. And when you're in the middle of good times and you think that your life is a doorway now. Be aware (laughs) that there is a prison there waiting for you, too, and be alert. That's so true. And and so I tell myself that, and, and that's what kind of keeps me on the straight and narrow.
3: See, But see, and that's such a great point, Stephen, you make that, you know, you start growing your faith, you start thinking everything's working out, and then, bam, you get hit you get hit with something that you just didn't expect is as your, as your story talked about uh, with the volcano and everything. Yes. That really, uh, yes. that really hits you. And uh, and and, yes. you look, and you look at your career, it's ups and downs and, and to the point now where all these opportunities are coming your way again. Are you uh, a pessimist or an optimist now saying, okay, well uh, things are going really well for me in my And you said the last two years, are you going to start saying, well, what's going to happen to me next? Uh, or, or are you just saying, I'm just going to trust God and understand that there could be could be prison very soon again.
1: I I go with the latter. I I go like, it it isn't a matter of if, but when the tide turns and it goes bad, and I just have to trust God. And and every time I, it, it, that doesn't mean that I yield my my life force to trying to make my life better I try to say yes to things and when you say yes to things a lot of good things happen yes uh, mm-hmm. and and if when you when you say no to things all the time your life becomes smaller and smaller so with with a little judgment like not doing don't say yes to going on drunks or drugs or that kind of stuff don't you know say yes to things that that can enrich your life. Uh, I say yes, and I know that there's going to be ebbs and flows. There's no way. There's no way. There's not. So when, when I'm having a good time like now, and I'm working on three different shows, I put the money in the bank you know i don't spend it i know that they're going to, i'm going to be the ant and not the grasshopper <laughs> you know i'm going to i'm going to save and i'm going to protect my family now god has given me this opportunity to protect my family so i'm going to honor that and protect them kind of like would you, put that money away
3: kind of like stephen how joseph told the pharaoh or, uh it was the pharaoh right that uh that, that to go ahead and make sure you're saving the you've the, got the, it, yeah, the the, the 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 uh, the all the uh, all the food so that saving that and harvest it not only yeah.
1: and yeah. it not only saved Egypt, but it made Egypt the richest country in the world and made people come there, which is how Joseph ended up being reunited with his family because they were starving and they came to Egypt. Now, one thing that people don't recognize right from that story, which is very, uh, <clears throat> to the point I was saying, everything's a doorway, everything's a prison. Who is responsible for the slavery of the Hebrew people in the Bible? Well, you may be quick on the trigger and say, well, it's Pharaoh. No. Not really. It was Joseph. Yeah. Because in, in the great... Uh, story where uh, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and when he he brings Benjamin out and says, here he is, you know, he's safe, and and the family is having a good cry, it's one of the most moving parts of of the book of Genesis. There is a paragraph in the middle of, of those great revelations of Joseph saying, I'm your brother, and I forgive you. In the middle of that, Joseph changes the laws of Egypt, it, and it's one little paragraph, and he he makes it to where, in a state of emergency, I forget what the percentage was, but it used to be, and I'm making this part up because I don't have the Bible right, right, right in front of me, but it's like, before it was like, in a state of emergency, the state gets one-fifth, in terms of your property or taxes to get through the emergency, Joseph, because things are going so well, makes it four-fifths. And that in a state of emergency, the state can basically take your property, four-fifths of your stuff. And that is the law that when there came a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph, at the beginning of the book of Exodus, he enacts Joseph's law. To take away the Hebrews'
3: property, oh my, wow.
1: invoking invoking uh, uh, an emergency situation, and so um, and then, of course, the Book of Exodus is a portrait of of genocide. Uh, I mean, it is because the first thing that Pharaoh does is kind of legal and above board. We're going to enact these laws that are already on the books. But then it goes a step further and says to the midwives, I want you to kill the the baby boys, you know, at birth. So, you know, and it becomes worse and worse and worse. And then we'll enslave them and then we'll enslave them and take the straw out of the bricks. So everything they do crumbles and they can never make their quota. So we'll destroy purpose. And, you, you know, that has been the that has been the textbook yes. of how people destroy another people from then on. You remove their purpose. Yes. You steal their women and kill their men. You destroy their holy places and and you and you have them. There's nothing they can do. That's it. So yeah. that was a long that was a long blather about Joseph, but just to say it's again a portrait that everything is a doorway and everything is a prison.
3: And, and, that's, and that's a that's a that's a great point and it's a great spiritual point for people to think about. And I'm sure you're talking to a lot of your acting friends when you're in these acting families about this stuff, right, Stephen? Or if they're asking
1: you, right? Do you have no. a few beers? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm I'm the I'm the opposite of that. I I don't do that. I don't do that at all. I, in fact. You know, my books are there for people to read if they want to read them. And if they want to talk to me about it, that's great. But on the set, I'm there and I'm just an actor and I talk about acting. And, you know, if people want to come to me and say, what about this or what about that? I'll talk with them. But I don't, I'm not proactive going out there saying, hey, how about this? Because, you know, that's, that is not who I am. You know, I'm not. I'm not—everybody has their own root. Yes. Everybody has—and, you know, here in Hollywood, there are
3: many of— Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TittleTutorAndNealHaley.com, and and I'm excited to welcome to the program celebrity drummer Kenny Arnoff. Kenny, how are you? And uh, I tell you what, I hear—we were talking off-air. You love Pittsburgh, and you love the Steelers. I'm glad to
0: hear that. Oh, I'm a huge uh, uh, Pittsburgh fan, huge Steelers fan. I'm a big NFL fan. I saw the Terry Bradshaw and Franco Harris and Starworth, and, and uh, uh, maybe Lynn Swan even back in the 70s when they played Cleveland. And Cleveland, it was like it, back then the stadiums were just like high school football fields, you know, with mud. And it was so cool. And the Heinz Field is so gorgeous. And I you know, have a lot of history playing at Pittsburgh with rock and roll bands, I played at the Stanley Theater uh, with John Mellencamp in the early 80s. I had Thanksgiving there in 86 on the Jubilee Tour because uh, that's where we were. I did photo shoots there for a cover of Modern Drummer. Uh, Pittsburgh, there's nothing like it, rolling through those mountains and coming down into Pittsburgh, gorgeous city, beautiful people. And so And I'm running for mayor for Pittsburgh, obviously, um, congratulations to the penguins and there you have it
3: <laughs> all right I love it Kenny you have two things you're promoting right now and I and I, I'm so glad I got the opportunity to chat with you today because I want to learn more about you but also you have a rock documentary hired gun out of the shadows into the spotlight uh, um, and then also on it'll be in certain theaters June 29th and then also your book, Sex, Drums, Rock and Roll, the hardest-hitting man and show business. So let's go to this, yes. basically, Kenny, about the documentary first. Tell us about how that's started. Right,
0: the documentary is about guys like me that are hired to make records and tour. I'd say the the movie is more about touring and not. It didn't really touch enough about the uh, the recording thing. And a guy like me is recorded on. 300 million records sold, 1,300 gold, platinum, diamond records certified, and 60 nominated or won Grammy Award records. That's, you know, most session guys only last 10, 15 years. If you're lucky, I'm into it 37 years and still kicking ass. I mean, I just recorded seven songs yesterday. I'll be recording today. I'll be recording Monday, Tuesday before I go to Europe. But I also have toured with, you know, my touring history as uh, you know, 17 years recording and touring with Mellencamp, you know Bob Seger records touring, uh, you know 10 years on and off with Joe Cogger 10 years on and off with M- Melissa Etheridge, a couple years with Michelle Branch, recording with all these guys: Jefferson Airplane, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Sticks, Goo Goo Dolls, uh, you know, and and it's just you know the diversity of people. This is a real hired gun. The guy, you know, I'm playing with Johnny Cash one day, Elton John the next day, Bon Jovi the next day. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with, uh, you know, Tony, Tony Iommi, Alice Cooper, you have know, a Levine Lance set, a buddy guy, B.B. King. I mean, the diversity is all over the place. That's a true hired gun. That's a guy that everybody wants on tour or in the studio to make them look good. And that's what this movie's about.
3: No, know, see, Ken, Kenny, that's interesting because, you know, you think about a band being all together. You know, there's some famous drummers yeah. out there that stayed with one band. But you're yeah. a hired gun. What made your thought process not to just join one band and make it famous than being with so many famous people,
1: helping well, them to Well, that's
0: a real, that's a real, really valid point there. And in the movie, you do have a lot of guys that played with a few guys that I should say a few guys that played with just one band technically for you know a long time. Billy uh, Liberty's Vito, a friend of mine, played with Billy Joe. Has a very touching story about. You know, being in this band and wanting to be in this band for the rest of his life, and then they they parted ways. I was with Camp for 17 years, but what happened was that after eight years on the Jubilee tour, John suddenly decided to quit for three years, and I had just gotten divorced. And I talk about this in my book. It was like, you know, I mean, everybody can relate to being fired when you have all all these right. bills, and what are you going to do? And I thought my cup was empty, and then I realized now my cup is always full, meaning that. When that door shut, I opened up another door, and that was to recording and sessions. And I decided, okay, he can quit whenever he wants, and I'm not making the lion's share of the money. He is. He can wow. quit whenever he wants. It's his deal. I went, wow. Well, now what I started to realize is I've been working with one famous artist. Now he quits. I'm going to go work with every other famous artist. That was my That's attitude. Smart. I never forgot it. I am my own self. I am the hired gun. A lot of these people want me to be their guy, but they don't put you on retainer. They have no way of holding you, and they just want you to just drop everything and come when they call. Well, you can't do that with a guy like Kenny Aronoff. I'll try to do that, but the bottom line is if I, you know, if I get booked to do something and I'm not on salary or on a retainer, I need to make a living and I need to, you know, take care of Kenny Aronoff. Because all I am is a hired gun. There's no pension plan or guarantee. Well, there is a pension plan for making all those records. But there's no, like, you know, I, I can't sit here and live with the idea, what am I doing in 2018? All I know is I've got a few gigs with John Fogarty in 2018. That's it. So, And I have a big yeah. nut. So that's, I, I have to bust my ass 24-7. And I like being on the edge like that. It's exciting. It's made my career go well I mean I'm almost in the four decades. That's rare in this business. very rare right
3: and and you love the travel, you like you love the tour, but you also see that you need to value your your brand, which is your drumming, that you're a mm-hmm. drummer, and that you're not just, hey, I'm here just to to be a back a backdrop in this band, like, oh, yeah, I'm nobody.
0: Not anymore. Not anymore, that's for sure. That's why I've written the book. No, that's not why I wrote the book. I wrote the book, and it's really uh, been quite a a well-received, and I'm writing another book, The Method, behind my success. Not just what I did, but why I did it, how I did it, and how you can do it. The book is about how you can become successful and stay successful. That's the next book. And, you know, I'm branching it off into all kinds. I have a speaking business where I speak at corporations. I have a great killer show, uh, you know, where I perform talk and there's a movie. And and I explain to people how to stay successful. A lot of those people in front of me already are successful. But I talk about how to stay successful, how I've been able to be relevant in one of the most difficult businesses in the world, the music business, especially now.
3: Absolutely. But you're different than others, and that's what makes... You special, Kenny, and that's why mm-hmm. you continue to, to uh, reinvent yourself and try different things mm-hmm. and you're not going to sit you're not gonna sit by the phone waiting for someone to call you. That's pretty much you. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I I take action. I turn there's a chapter, it's gonna be called Turn Anger into Action. <laughs> Don't be angry and frustrated. Turn it into action. You know, I feel like a running back. I don't score touchdowns every time, but I'm going to spend my whole career trying to get a touchdown. You know, it's like I'll never be as great as I want to be, but I'll spend the rest of my life trying to be as great as I can be. That's me. All right,
3: Kenny, So yes, yeah, so there's two places we can chat for hours. I know we can, especially with that Pittsburgh connection. But the best place we can find information on you, two ways, but people need to check out again and find out about where, where they can see hired gun and also – uh, purchase your book. So where's the best place we can go, Kenny, for all those that information?
0: Well, the purchase of the book is Amazon.com. Uh, you know, Sex, Drums, Rock and Roll, put my name in there, you'll get it. Um, and the other thing is Twitter is Aronoff Official, uh, big letters official, Aronoff Official. And then you can go to my website, which is com. Uh, And then uh, you can go on Instagram, just my name, Kenny Aronoff, or Facebook. And and, and I apologize. I I tapped out on my personal Facebook page, you know, seven, eight years ago. Uh, You only allowed 5,000 friends. But I do have a Facebook fan page also, which is my name, Kenny Aronoff Fan Page, Facebook. That's how you find out about me.
3: And it's amazing, Kenny. I can build all those followers right on your personal one. You get to 5,000 and then people keep friending you. And then you, they follow you, so that just builds another uh, brand as well. So they can try to friend you, and then they can follow you on that, too. So that's another idea. But uh, good talking to yeah. you, Kenny. Yeah. Best of luck with your ventures and all the different things, and uh, you're welcome to come by any other time to chat. And if you're in Pittsburgh, awesome, hit me up, man. Okay? Have, right.
0: have a great summer, man. Take care, you guys. All right, you, too.
3: you too, Kenny. Take care. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye.
0: Yep. You're Bye. listening to the Haley's Show, and we'll be back in just a moment.